0: Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Monday, October 18th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen each day. The Jets are coming out of their bye week, and on today's show, we're going to talk about some of the big questions facing the team as they enter the next phase of the 2021 season. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. A great slate of NFL games on Sunday. It began in the morning with the London game as the Jacksonville Jaguars got their first win of the season, a last second victory over the Miami Dolphins. Then you had your one o'clock games. In the 4 o'clock window, you had a tremendous game that went to overtime between Dallas and New England that the Cowboys won, and then another overtime game Sunday night as the Steelers defeated the Seahawks, and a couple of former Jets figured prominently in that outcome, and not in a good way for the Seattle Seahawks, as former Jets quarterback Geno Smith fumbled in overtime, setting up the game-winning field goal for Pittsburgh, and Jamal Adams, played a pretty poor game, capped by a dropped potential game-winning pick six late in the fourth quarter. But now we can focus on the Jets again. Jets are coming out of their bye week, and they're entering what I would call the second phase of the 2021 season. And this is going to be the longest phase. Heading into the season, I kind of saw this year divided into three phases. You had the first phase, which was the first five weeks of the season pre-bye. And I was hoping for the best. But you had to know going with a young team that things may not work out the way you wanted it to. When you have a very young team and that young team struggles, it's typically going to happen at the very beginning of the season. That's just how it works. You still have guys learning to play in the NFL, adjusting to the speed of the game, the complexity of the game. You knew that things could be tough. You were hoping they would not be, but you knew they could be. Now they've had a few weeks to get some experience. They've had the buy to assess what's going right, what's going wrong, try and figure out a way to f- fix what's going wrong. And now we entered to the, what I would call the, the second phase of the season. And this is the phase where I want to begin to see improvement. I talked the first couple of weeks, and I was I went very easy on the Jets when they were losing. Lots of people were very critical of them. I don't think I was, because I knew, again, I felt like this was a young team, and My focus was more later in the season. Well, now I think we need to see some progress. And I'm not going to be as easy on the Jets as I evaluate them over the next couple of weeks. Because things kind of open up as far as the schedule goes. And in this, what I call the second phase, it begins with a game at New England. Well, look, the Patriots are not that great. This is not a vintage Patriots team. This is not a Tom Brady Patriots team. It's tough to go on the road. It's tough to go on the road in division. But this is kind of a winnable game for the Jets. I mean, I think if you think back to that first game the Jets and the Patriots played, New England won by 19 points, but that was based on Zach Wilson throwing four interceptions. If you actually look at the quality of the play outside of the quarterbacks, it was pretty even. So the Jets have an opportunity in that one. Then you have a game against Cincinnati. Okay, that one's tougher than you thought it would be at the beginning of the season. Then a game at Indianapolis Thursday night, tough to travel on the road for a Thursday night game, but that's a game that looks easier than it was at the beginning of the season. Then you play Buffalo, okay, that's not easy, but then you follow that up with Miami, who's in free fall, Houston, which might be the most dysfunctional franchise in the NFL top to bottom, Philadelphia, not that good, New Orleans, I mean, they're okay, but they're not a vintage Saints team, Miami, again, not that good. Jacksonville, bottom of the league, just got their first win yesterday on par with the Jets. So, this second phase of the season is going to be really important because I think you're going to try and build momentum into what I call the third phase, which is really two weeks. The last two weeks of the season, the Jets have very tough games. They have Tampa Bay and then they have a trip to Buffalo. So, what I want to see the Jets do is play effectively. I want to see them grow as a team. And then maybe those last two weeks, which are not games you're expecting them to win, maybe they'll have enough confidence. Maybe they'll be playing well enough to actually put up a fight in those games. That's how I see it, and I think that the answers to at least some of the questions we will ask today will determine whether or not the Jets make the type of progress we're looking for over the final 12 games of the season. And I think we have to begin by asking, can the Jets get Zach Wilson going? prior to the season, I was asked frequently in mailbag questions, what would be a successful rookie season for Zach Wilson? And the answer that I continually gave was that I wanted to feel like Zach Wilson belongs in the NFL. And if we're going to be fair through the first five weeks, it has not looked like Zach Wilson belongs in the NFL. He's 31st in completion percentage among qualified passers, in the important stat, and I think it's a really important stat, average per attempts, twenty seventh. He leads the league in interceptions. I mean, you could go, you could go down. I mean, a four to nine touchdown to interception ratio, only four touchdowns. twenty nine that's 29th in the NFL. If we're talking passer rating, it's not very good. Zach, thirty seconds with a sixty two point nine passer rating. Listen, the number, the numbers speak for themselves. There have been some individual good moments. There have been some individual impressive moments. I think about the second half of the game against Carolina. I think about the second half of the game against Tennessee. But it's been bad. He's thrown at least one interception in every game so far. And the other thing I'd say about Zach is that when you look at the positive plays, it seems like they're disproportionately on kind of broken plays where he's evading the pocket. He's extending the play, and he's keeping his eyes down the field, receivers are breaking the route. And that's good. Listen, you want playmaking ability in a quarterback. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You'd rather have that because if you take those plays off the table, there's not a lot positive you can say about Zach's performance. At least you do have something positive to say. And again, playmaking ability, ability is important. Look at the great quarterbacks in the NFL. Many of them are able to make things happen after everything else breaks down. But Zach has really struggled in the pocket. I think his reads in the pocket have been shaky. I don't think he's confident in what he sees. And on some level, that's natural for a rookie. But Zach has seemed a little overwhelmed, even by some pretty basic looks, even by looks he saw at BYU. It seems like adjusting to the speed of the game has been an issue. And again, on some level, this is natural. On some level, I think you're going to go through this with practically any rookie quarterback. I'm a little concerned with the degree to which it's happened with Zach. Now, you look back at recent Jets history... This is not a great team surrounding Zach Wilson, but this is not as bad of a situation as, say, Sam Darnold or Geno Smith were in. This is a workable situation. So I, I don't want to overstate my level of panic here. I'm not in panic. I have a little bit of concern, though. I don't think you can totally write off what happened the first five weeks as he's just a rookie. I think it goes a little beyond that, but we do need to see more. And for me, this is about kind of going back to the basics for the Jets. And a lot of this is going to be on Michael LaFleur. A lot of it's going to be on the coaching staff. They need to figure out what Zach is comfortable with. I don't think they've done a good job of that in the first few weeks of the season. You know, I go back to his BYU tape, and there were some things he was pretty comfortable with. There were concepts he was comfortable with, and I don't see the Jets running enough of those. And to me, if you're building up a quarterback, the first thing you do is you figure out what he's comfortable with and you kind of build out from there. And I wonder, and I I hesitate to say this because I do think Michael LaFleur is taking too much of the grief. I mean, listen, some of the plays the Jets are missing, there are are open receivers. There are guys who have been schemed open and people are complaining because the Jets aren't executing. It's ultimately on the players to execute. But I do know as much as the quote-unquote Shanahan system is kind of the prevalent system in the NFL... Sometimes the guys who run that type of system are a little too rigid. They're a little too set in their ways. And I think the Jets need to get back to things Zach's comfortable with. Even if your offense is fairly basic, if you have a handful of things that you know you're capable of executing, that's a good thing. I would rather have a handful of core plays I know my guys can execute than a wide variety of plays. I'd rather have like a handful of, of plays that I, I feel very confident in my guys in, even if the defense knows that's coming. I'm confident my guys can execute that. I'd rather have that than like a you know a huge, huge playbook. And I'd like to see the Jets maybe get back to the basics a little bit with Zach and I think that that's just, that's the only way you can build a rookie quarterback. You figure out a few things he's good at, and then once you've mastered that, you move on to the next thing and eventually over time you build up. That's what's got to happen here. I mean, I, Zach's got to improve over the next couple of weeks. I think he can. I think it's too early to write him off. But I think that we'd be lying if we said that this was a good beginning to his career. I think we'd be lying if we said that at the beginning of the season, we were expecting this, that we'd be satisfied with this, that this was what success would look like. Zach just has to get better. He has to get more comfortable playing from within the pocket. Now, he's doing pretty well outside the pocket. He's doing pretty well extending plays. And again, that's a good thing. You want playmaking ability. But now we need to get to winning within the pocket. We need to get to winning from the pocket. And that's more more than anything is important because we've talked frequently about how much of this season is about Zach Wilson's development. So we're going to need to begin to see some of that development. We will be watching Zach's progress against New England this weekend, but you may also want to keep your eyes on another game or two if you have a big fantasy matchup. You may want to monitor how your team is doing. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required, content varies by package. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. Today we are talking about questions the New York Jets will have to answer in this next phase of the NFL season. My next question goes back to training camp because we heard nothing but how amazing Elijah Moore looked in training camp. We talked, we heard about how he was going to go in and dominate the league immediately, and it has not happened so far, and there are a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, I think one thing we forget is that he missed the entire preseason. He missed a bunch of the end of training camp, and that may have disrupted... His preparation for the season. He is a rookie. Beyond that, though, I mean, there are other issues. I mean, some of it may be more perhaps is adjusting to the NFL slower than it may have seemed he was going to in training camp. I think there have been issues with quarterback consistency. And I think that there have been moments where maybe the Jets have underutilized him. Maybe he hasn't been in the progressions of the passing plays when he should have been. I mean, he's a guy you'd like to see them try and manufacture touches. In space too, and they haven't really done that. So I think that there are plenty of reasons for all of this. Can the Jets get him going? Though now again, this is a guy I look at. He's got the bye week ahead of him. Can the Jets? And part of this is going to be his preparation. Part of this is going to be the Jets thinking this through. Thinking, are we utilizing this guy correctly? Maybe instead of giving Braxton Berrios jet sweeps, maybe we give them to Elijah Moore. Things along those lines. Try and throw him the ball in, on screens. Try and get him the ball in space and maybe try and feature him a little bit more in the passing game. This was supposed to be a great connection between him and Zach Wilson. It has not really materialized yet, and I can tell you, I mean, I watched the film, and it looks like he's running routes okay. I hear a lot of stuff about how he needs to be in the slot. I mean, it seems like he's holding up okay on the outside. doesn't seem like his size is really an issue. Getting releases off the lines fine, as far as I can see. So can the Jets get him going? And listen, there have been a couple plays where they've had a chance to hit him especially against Atlanta and London, and the protection did not hold up. So that's a guy I've got my eyes on. I keep waiting for it to happen, and I hope it will happen soon for the Jets because I loved this pick when they made it, and I still have high hopes for Elijah Moore. Maybe the bye week will be what we need for things to finally click. The next thing I want to talk about are young players because I think whenever you see a young player flash, you get excited. It's one thing to make a play. It's one thing to have a good game. I'm wondering whether some of these young players who have flashed can sustain it. Uh, One guy I'm looking at, Elijah Vera Tucker, who, for the most part, I think has been pretty good. Now, there have been a few moments where things have been rough. It's had a few hiccups in pass protection. But it feels like, especially against Atlanta, maybe he was beginning to finally put things together. This, of course, was a player the Jets traded up for. Second straight year, the Jets invest on the offensive line in the first round. So far, I mean, I'm pretty pleased by what I've seen. Not an easy transition to move to the NFL. Vera Tucker, I think, is doing a decent job. Can he sustain it? Another guy, Bryce Hall. Is he a number one corner? I'm not ready to declare him a number one corner yet. I need to see him play against premium competition. But a guy who entered the season as a question mark and through the first five games looks like a legitimate starting player, Bryce Huff is Bryce Huff a starter in this league? Is he more of a situational player? I don't know. Again, another guy who looks like a player. So can these guys who have been flashing sustain that? Michael Carter, both Michael Carters, Michael Carter and, and the sequel. You know, the the original Michael Carter playing running back who in spite of his numbers, I think is running the ball pretty well. I think some of the issues have more been more about the Jets blocking. And the sequel, Michael Carter the se- the second locking down the slot corner position. I mean, if you want the optimistic case for the New York Jets. It's you got young guys who are flashing. The issue with the Jets is not a lack of young talent. The issue with the Jets is the lack of veteran talent. The issue with the Jets is the lack of guys on their second contract playing effectively. And that's because the Jets have drafted so poorly through the years. So you're beginning to see flashes of the of this young talent. Can they sustain it? It's one thing to do it for a week or two, it's another thing to do it through half a season can we see these guys continue to play well as the league gets tape on them, figures out some of the things maybe they can be tested on. That's going to be worth watching. Another thing worth watching, how will makai Becton play when he returns? And I guess another question, I guess kind of a sub question to that, when will makai Becton return? I actually think people have been too hard on makai Becton. You know, you call him injury prone. I mean, that injury he suffered against Carolina it could happen to anybody. And I yeah, I understand that There were reports at a training camp he was struggling against Carl Lawson. Well, first of all, Carl Lawson's a tough matchup for him. Carl Lawson's kind of the type of pass rusher you'd expect him to struggle against. And even though he was having a rough game against Carolina, he was facing another pass rusher you'd expect him to struggle against in that game. But beyond that, the same people who were telling you about how terrible he was in training camp were the ones who were telling you how amazing Elijah Moore looked. So... Let's keep it in perspective here, but beyond that, I think if you look at way, the way Becton played last year when he was actually on the field you know, in actual games, he was a guy who went through the NFL. He was a guy we thought needed some refinement. He was not a finished product. He was still learning how to play. He acquitted himself fine. I mean, he played some excellent games. He was not a weakness in pass protection. I mean, I don't think he was a dominant pass blocker last year, but I also would not say he was a liability. And quite frankly, entering the 2020 season, I was worried about it because he was so unrefined and he was a good run blocker. So I'm hoping Becton returns. I'm hoping he reminds us all why he was drafted in the first round last year, why there was so much optimism around him. And to be honest with you, I think people are too hard on Becton. I really do. Another guy I have questions about. What's going to happen with Denzel Mims? This has been such an odd situation because you almost get the feeling that this is not about his ability level. And sometimes you see a player who's benched for reasons that seem inexplicable, and he gets on the field, and he doesn't produce the way you're expecting, and you realize, okay, well, the coaches maybe saw something in practice that we did. Maybe we were a little too optimistic about this prospect we drafted. He came in with so much hype. Maybe he's not as good as we thought. But you got to say, the few instances the Jets are putting Denzel Mims on the field he's producing this year, and it's not like the offense is doing a whole lot without him out there. But here's the thing I don't understand. This is a guy who you have to be able to get something for in a trade. So if you have no interest in ever putting him on the field, why wouldn't you trade him? Because his value is not going to go up sitting on the sidelines. Every week that passes where he sits on the sidelines, other teams are going to be like, well, there must be a reason for it. You're going to go back to what I just said. There must be a reason he's not playing. So can the Jets resolve this situation? I would prefer to see him get an opportunity to play because the few times he's been on the field this year, he's made play. Now, I mean, some of these have been more about the defense messing up than Mims making a spectacular play, but there hasn't been much good that's happened for this offense this year, so I'd like to see something happen. But if they're not going to play him, get something of value for him. Like, I don't understand this whole thing where he's just going to be buried on the bench and he's never going to get an opportunity, but you also won't let him go somewhere else and produce and maybe get something in return. What's going to happen here? Are the Jets going to make a move here? And maybe it's the type of move where you you deal him for a, another a young player on another team that's fallen out of favor. Maybe that's what you do, but... I don't understand what the Jets are doing with Mims. Put him on the field. Uh, that's what I'd like to say. I'd like to see him get an opportunity on the field. But if you're not going to put him on the field, make a deal. You know, Get something in return for him and give him a chance to play some, somewhere else. That's how I view that. You know, when he's been on the field this year, Mims has produced like a guy who has eaten a lot of built Bars. And if you haven't tried Bilt Bar by now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars don't taste good, but Built Bars are soft. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They taste like a candy bar. They're really good. And the bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of being delicious. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five. 15% For 15% off at Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. And I don't know what the odds are of Mims playing this weekend, but BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the football action this season. Head to the, the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON, it's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Monday as we talk about questions for the New York Jets as they enter this next phase of the 2021 season. You know, we've been talking a lot about young players on today's show, which is no surprise. The Jets have a very young roster, young players still developing. You're hoping to see improvement over the final 12 games of the season. But there are some veterans, and I think one of the questions that will come up over the next few weeks as we approach the trade deadline is whether the Jets will be sellers, because there are some players in the final year of their contract who may not be coming back next year, And with the Jets seemingly out of the playoff race, you wonder whether these guys might be dealt so that the Jets can get something in return for them rather than letting them leave in the offseason as free agents. Two guys who really come to mind for me are Marcus May and Jamison Crowder. I think of the two, May is the more likely to be dealt because it's become pretty clear he's not coming back next year. I think we've heard enough from his agent. There's a lot of frustration There's all these other things that have happened. And for May, he's approaching 30 years old. It's just not really a fit right now for the Jets because he's not really a big-time playmaking safety. He wants the big money. He doesn't play a premium position, or at least what is a premium position in this particular defense. He's probably frustrated. He probably wants to win. He's been with the Jets his entire career, and he's never been able to win. The Jets aren't going to pay him what he wants. He's probably not worth what he wants to the Jets. So it just seems like this relationship is nearing its end. And it will be interesting to see whether the Jets do deal him. The Jets were active at the trade deadline last year. They made a number of deals. They got draft picks in exchange for players who were not going to return Steve McClendon, Avery Williamson. Somehow they got a pick swap for Jordan Willis. I still don't understand how that happened. So we'll see. Crowder, I'd be less likely to trade, or I would be less inclined to, tr- to trade Cl- Crowder because I would not want to remove pieces on the offense from Zach Wilson. As I've said over the last couple of weeks, I've more and more come to appreciate what Crowder brings to the table. I'm not sure he'll be back next year, but I would not be opposed to him getting a new contract as long as the price was not outrageous. And there are some other players who could potentially be, be dealt you know, the, the, But the, those are the two big names that come to mind for me. And it comes down to whether the Jets will be sellers at the deadline, whether it will be like last year where they just try and get something for anybody who's not going to be back next year. And the final question is, will progress result in more wins? Listen, we want to see progress, but one of the ways you measure progress is by winning games. It's at some point not enough to say, well, the team's playing hard. I think that point will come the second half of the season. I'm not expecting the Jets to be a playoff team. I'm not expecting them to end 2021 with a winning record. But they can't go 1-16. They can't go 2-15. and 15. There have to be some wins along the way. I gave you the, some games at the beginning of the show that seem very winnable. I'm not saying the Jets have to win all of them. They won't win all of them. And look, some of the games that don't seem so winnable, maybe they surprise us. Last year, the Chets were a horrible team and both of their wins came against teams that made the playoffs. So you never know. I mean, there, you know, there's any given Sunday and all that, but I think there need to be wins. Uh, you listen, first five games of the season, I'm glad they weren't and five. I don't want to say one and four is acceptable, but one and four, I guess maybe is understandable, but there have to be some more wins the rest of the season as we get deeper into the schedule. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.